Welcome to The Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. Today we're going to read some terrific quote channelings that address a variety of topics, including telepathy, why we are not telepathic in third density, and the spiritual question of eating meat and its relationship to second density beings. As I always say at the beginning of these channelings, check out my previous episodes to learn more about Quo. They're a group of higher density beings telepathically channeled through a group called LL Research related to the law of one material that answer questions of a spiritual nature that resonate very strongly to me and many others. We begin with the channeling on December 28th, 2019. Jim Channeling says, I am Quo, and am with this instrument at this time. We greet each of you in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator of whom we are all a portion and which we all seek with every fiber of our being. We are aware that many in this circle are of the same nature and have the same desire to seek the one, and yet find difficulties in so doing. Thus we come to offer ourselves in the resolving of such difficulties. If possible, and yet in such a manner of speaking, we ask you to realize that we are not ultimate sources of information. We have our own distortions with which to deal in a joyful manner, realizing that the resolution of each distortion moves us closer and closer to the one within us all. So we would ask, as always, that you take those words and thoughts that we offer you and use them in whatever way benefits you the most. If any do not benefit you, then please discard them with no second thought. In this way, we are, as always, able to speak more freely to your queries. May we ask at this time if there is a query with which we may begin. Austin asks, I've got one quote. Ra had a theory that our Logos designed our evolution based on speech rather than telepathy in order to increase the veil in some way. I was wondering if this is true, how that works. Why would relying on speech help to accentuate the veil? And if there is any advice that you would give in using this to our advantage in polarizing and opening our hearts. I am Quo and I'm aware of your query, my brother. We find that it is a most salient query in the process of seeking within the third density illusion for the process of reverting to or depending upon speech instead of telepathy or concept communication is a means by which the veil of forgetting is strengthened. The speech that you so joyfully and occasionally carelessly utilize in your third density experience is a means by which the seeming illusory separation between you and all of the creation and especially the one infinite creator is enhanced. Concept communication is a means by which it is much easier for entities who are able to communicate in this manner to realize the nature of the illusion so that the concepts which are telepathy and precognition and so forth then reinforce the nature of the creation as being one thing. For the concepts partake of the unity of creation in that they reflect some portion of the functioning of unity. The interaction of communication without the division of the thoughts into pieces and particles called words. Thus, as you are able to realize that the words you speak carry power of description that is lesser than concepts convey, then you realize you must work even more persistently to be able to make yourself clear to clearly transmit the thoughts from your heart, from your mind, 
and from your very being. As you realize that you are of necessity relegated to the use of words, then perhaps you will also add to your attempt at communication a certain fervor that seeks to reveal most clearly what you are thinking and feeling. When this is done in conjunction or in tandem with another entity with whom you are attempting to resolve difficulties and disharmonies, this is very helpful in that it gives you the means by which to work with more dedication in your attempt at communication. This working with dedication then is likened unto polarizing more efficiently in the positive sense. As you attempt to use your words to become open and transparent to another entity, encouraging the other entity by your own effort to do the same. Thus your communication is hard won, and yet the polarization that is received by such a difficult activity in comparison to concept communication is also enhanced greatly. Is there another query, my brother? Greetings, Quo. I have a follow-up query. During this time of evolution and moving into fourth density, it appears that telepathy is much more easy and available to those who are polarizing. Can you give us some recommendations as to how to hone that skill? I am Quo, and am aware of your query, my brother. Indeed, as you have observed, the ease with which telepathy is available to some people, those who are conscious seekers of truth, is an indication that at this time it is possible for those who are aware of how they are advancing their own evolutionary progress may begin to notice the thinning, shall we say, of the veil of forgetting for them and for others like them who seek with the same purity and intensity. Thus the quality that is most helpful in being able to transmit and receive thoughts from another being is that this activity be accomplished with another entity that shares your sincerity and depth of devotion to seeking the spiritual evolution of mind, body, and spirit. Thus, in such a tandem effort, there is the possibility of using the meditative state to transmit thoughts to the other entity who is aware that such thoughts are being attempted as communication. The other entity does not have to be in close proximity to you, but needs to be aware that you are attempting to send this entity your images and concepts so that there may be a receptivity on the part of the other entity that is developed by this knowledge. The meditative state aids in such production and reception of telepathic concepts as it is able to take you deeper and deeper into your conscious mind and even into your subconscious mind where such communication is more, shall we say, common and possible in regards or in the relation to the higher levels of the conscious mind, which is the busy mind, the monkey mind as it is called. If you can quiet this mind, this conscious mind or busy mind within the meditative state, then you may begin to experience greater and greater feelings of expansiveness so that your being begins to move outward in what you would call the time-space or spiritual realms and begins to encompass the other entity or entities with whom you wish to communicate. If you can visualize this expansion of your being, being able to encompass the other entity and then transmit your thoughts in this state of being, there is a greater likelihood of the reception by the one to whom they are sent. Is there a further query, my brother? I have a follow-up query to these questions, quote, it has to do with communication with other living souls, their spirit or the spirit of the departed ones, or also with higher self, and I would like specifically to ask about the role of asking assistance from higher self in communicating with those other living or departed friends, or just with higher self directly for guidance for that communication of sending questions and receiving answers that would be helpful. 
I am Quo and am aware of your query, my sister. The asking for assistance from those greater portions of the self that you may liken unto the higher self or the mind-body-spirit complex totality is the same as the student asking the teacher for help with a certain problem, be it math, grammar, spelling, or so forth. This asking for assistance then is felt by the soul level of the one who asks, so that at this level of being, the assistance that is provided by the higher self is able to be perceived more clearly than the conscious mind is capable of perceiving. Thusly, once again, if you are able within your conscious mind to use a meditative procedure in which you view yourself as moving into those levels of the unconscious mind to ask for assistance from the higher self, then there is the greater likelihood that this assistance will be clearly perceived in your subconscious mind. If, however, the conscious mind is that level at which one finds oneself in this attempt to communicate with the higher self, being unable to delve deeper into the subconscious mind, then we also recommend the meditative state so that the lowest level of the conscious mind might be presented to the higher self for the reception of the words and thoughts that may be of assistance in communicating with whatever entity you wish to communicate. The entities that you are seeking to establish communication with are upon a level of being that is spiritual in nature, so that they are aware of your attempt to communicate much more likely than they would be if you were not utilizing the meditative state. The meditative state is one which permeates the entire creation much more readily than the conscious sending of thoughts through words or concepts. The unconscious mind, combined with the meditative state, is the most effective combination of those qualities of the self that may then set up a communication that is enhanced by the higher self and makes available this communication to the one with whom the communication is asked for. Is there another query, my sister? A follow-up to that, yes. The meditative state is what I was referring to, even though I didn't state it, that it seems to me possible to contact higher self and others while in that deeper state. And it is not so much an exercise of sending, but one of reaching out and then also receiving with the help of the higher self. So my follow-up question would be, I have found when doing this with a sincere desire for positive or helpful communication that I have always found that in the oneness of consciousness, other spirits or souls have been always open to communicating. And I wondered if you would comment upon that. It seems to me a reflection of the eternal oneness of all, and that where all doors are open, I just find it extraordinary and very reassuring, but I would wish to hear your comment upon that. I am Quo, and am aware of your query, my sister. The entities with whom you wish to communicate upon the spiritual level of being have no veil of forgetting to block their view of or reception of communications from you. They are aware that the purpose of this third density illusion is to be of service to others, however it may be perceived by the conscious seeker of truth. Thus you offer to such entities in your attempt to communicate with them a chance to move in clarity through their communications, enhancing their service so that at their level of being they are also increasing their polarity as they are attempting to communicate through you to another loved one or friend, shall we say. You are offering such entities a clear and purified means of being of service, a crystal opportunity in which they are all full of joy to be able to participate, for in most instances they are unable to make themselves clearly understood to any such entities without an intermediary, such as yourself, who may call upon another intermediary such as the higher self and establish a communication that allows them this signal opportunity to be of service 
not only to another entity, but to a loved one. This is a source of great joy for such entities, and this joyful feeling is that which imbues the entire process so that the one who has requested the communication and your assistance is able to open its heart in a manner in which the reception of such words will be enhanced to go beyond the words into the feelings and the images that accompany such heartfelt communication. Is there a further query, my sister? Thank you, Ko. Only one further question relating to this entire discussion. Will many of us be moving towards more communication such as this on the higher level as we move more and more towards fourth density and in such way the veil of forgetting is being thinned in this way? With more openness and connection, there is more knowing. Is that a correct assumption? I am quote, and I'm aware of your query, my sister. In general, we would agree with that you have correctly summarized the situation. The veil of forgetting, in general, as we have mentioned, is beginning to become less and less thick, less and less able to restrict the vision of those who consciously seek to penetrate this veil for one reason or another. Many spiritual seekers have, within their hearts and souls, the greatest of desires to move into unity with all entities about them and with the one infinite creator within all there is. This great desire, then, is that which can utilize the thinning of this veil to further thin it for this particular type of entity. It is the spiritual determination and perseverance that are the qualities that move the seeker of truth beyond the veil to see, for the first time, the vision of unity that awaits all on the other side of the veil of forgetting. Is there another query, my sister? No, thank you, Quo. That was very helpful. I am Quo, and we thank you, my sister. Is there another query at this time? We have one from Brad, Quo, who starts with Latouille from 1982. Latouille said, When an entity passes from that which you call the incarnation and goes through the door known as death, there is a certain period in which the entity is somewhat, shall we say, disoriented, and that it is aware that its consciousness has continued, but its environment has greatly changed. The time spent in the condition of confusion is entirely dependent upon the entity's grasp of this process and its desire to seek a clear understanding of its function. Brad goes on to ask, how does one improve our grasp of this process and have a clear understanding of this process of passing through the door of death so that disorientation is minimized? The process is fearless and peaceful. How can we seek a clear understanding of the process of passing through the door of death? I am quote, and am aware of the query, my brother. The door of death, as it has been referred to, is, for some, a fearsome possibility, for others a welcomed opportunity. It is well for any entity who wishes to consider the nature of its own potential moving through this door to see such as the greatest of liberations, to drop one's own veil within the conscious mind that separates it from the unconscious mind. In the meditative state is a means by which preparation for this ultimate journey of liberation may be undertaken, for there is within the ability of each seeker of truth the chance to visualize this process as one in which the light of this illusion as bright as it may seem to every entity within it, becomes dimmer in comparison to the great light that one will walk into as one moves through the door of death. This light may be seen in the meditative state as being that light likened unto the sun in which life-giving energies are propelled continuously towards the one moving through death's door. This light then gauges one ability to utilize and move further into this light. As the light is moved into, then the visualization may be seen to increase the vision of the one moving through death's door to see those entities that are awaiting one as one moves through the door for each entity within the third density illusion has friends, guides, teachers, and loved ones 
that will be waiting for it to help it penetrate what is called etheria. They will give their guidance, their light, their love, and their understanding to the entity while it is attempting to perceive them and to perceive the nature of the reality into which it has moved. This ethereal reality then can be penetrated by the entity who has the strong desire within its heart, within its mind, within its soul to move through the ethereal realm so that the realm of true being and true living is entered, and those entities who await the one moving through death's door are apparent to the entity and greet it as a long-lost friend and family member come home. Is there a further query, my brother? We have another one from Lanny that is in two parts. I will ask the first part first. Quote, I would like to ask a question about eating meat. What are the spiritual principles and possibilities of polarization as one attempts to eliminate the use of animal products from their diet? When the reality of the situation is looked at, we have one set of beings expressing its dominance over another set of beings, and from what I can tell, are infringing on the free will of these beings as they live a life in which they are caged and grown just to be killed for meat. When we have the opportunity option to be a steward of this planet and treat every being with respect and dignity, can you help enlighten me on this? Do second density beings incarnate in the understanding that they will live this kind of life and therefore we are not infringing on their free will? Or does each person make their choice if they are even aware as to whether they will take the part in this? I am quo and am aware of your query, my brother. This is a query which moves to the level of understanding that all is one. The animals, as you call them, of the second density variety which are utilized by many on the surface of your third density planet for food are beings that have consciousness, that have a soul, that have the ability to give and receive love. These entities then can be utilized by those of the third density in any way that third density entities choose. This choosing is done in a conscious manner when the second density entity that is to be consumed as a food is asked before its slaughter, shall we say, if this is acceptable to such entity. This is a situation in which many of the native tribes, shall we say, of our earthly sphere have long engaged in the utilizing of the second density animals for their food. However, we find that it is seldom utilized in your third density at this time, and it is more likely to be taken for granted that such second density entities have been grown for this purpose and would consider it a part of their life experience to give their lives and their bodies for food. However, this cannot be known for certain until there has been a communication established between the third density entity and the second density entity that is seen as a potential source of food. Therefore, we find that for most entities within the third density who consume the meat products without such an establishment of communication beforehand are in some way infringing upon the free will of the second density entities. However, we would remind each third density entity being that it is quite frequently accomplished shall we say, that the infringement upon the free will of others is put forth or done in many and various ways on a daily basis, so that there is the need for each third density entity to balance the catalyst of such infringement upon the free will of other entities, be they second or third density entities. Thus, it is not just in the consumption of the foodstuffs of second density that such infringement takes place. We would remind each third density entity that the second density foodstuffs in the form of plants also have a type of consciousness that is more likely to be able to blend in a harmonious fashion with the desire of third density entities to see them as foodstuffs. This however is also enhanced when the third density entity is able to see all food, be it animal or vegetable, as that which is conscious, that which contains the one infinite creator, and that which with a communication needs to be established in some manner, whether it is the saying of a blessing of the food or 
the asking of the food if it is acceptable to be utilized as food before it is so utilized. We realize that most third density entities are unable or unwilling or unaware of such a necessity and move through the daily round of activities with a blindness to this possibility and necessity, and there is blindness to many ways of realizing the spiritual nature of the journey each seeker is upon. This journey of seeking is one which encompasses the entire reality of third density, so that all may be seen eventually as the one infinite creator and may be communicated with upon that level, so that for whatever reason the portion of the one creator that you are communicating with is to be used, that there will be a means by which the acceptance of this use by the portion of the creator is achieved. Is there a further query, my brother? Yes, he goes on, if it's not too much to ask, I would like also to be better understood the spiritual principles involved with attempting to educate others about the injustices of animal agriculture while respecting their free will since we seem to have a paradox of respecting the free will of the animals assumed wanting to not be killed and the free will of a person's supposed right to eat meat. I am quo, and am aware of your query, my brother. The principle of the utilization of animal creatures, shall we say, for producing food is a kind of disregarding of personal rights, as you may say. To attempt to share this kind of information with others that may not be aware of such or may not agree with such is the free will right of any entity seeking to do so. This is in conjunction with any attempt to be of service to others, in the manner which attempts to expand or deepen other entities' realization or consciousness of the topic of the use of animals for food, or what other other topic is desired to be projected to others by one wishing to, shall we say, proselytize. It is an action well done when it is realized that the offering of one's opinion on any topic to another is that which needs to be done without a dedication to an outcome that would drive one to push further than the one listening wishes to hear. Thus the free will of all must be respected by any conscious seeker of truth. To infringe upon the free will of those who unconsciously use animals for food is again an infringement of another kind. Is there another query at this time? We have one more from Justin who writes, Why do people have what's called Asperger's and autism? I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was 14 and found it to be a constant hindrance for personal growth. Though I have deep empathy and compassion and have come a long way, it is probably the only part of myself that I have not fully accepted. I know that in and of itself it is my greatest challenge yet. I am quo and am aware of the query my brother. We find the word challenge is most significant in this query. The challenges of the third density illusion are those which provide opportunities for people who are described as conscious seekers of truth to utilize in a manner which expands one's awareness, opens the heart, and allows the one infinite creator's love to flow freely forth by the meeting of the challenge. The challenge of those diseases, as they are called Asperger's and autism, are to be able to put forth another way of being, another way of seeing, another way of communicating. For entities with these conditions have another way of being. They are here to not only expand their own consciousness as they move into the fourth density of love and understanding, but to offer to those about them the opportunity to see another way of being, another way of communicating, another way of accomplishing the life's journey. For this type of seeing is that which moves beyond the normal third density level of perception and recognition and acceptance. There is far, far more to the third density experience of each entity within the third density than is realized by most entities residing therein. Those entities with what is called the Asperger's syndrome or autism have a connection to the one creator that is unlike the normal type of connection that most entities experience. Their connection is one that is more refined in some ways 
and that there is an unconscious transmission of unity to the conscious mind, so that those entities so demonstrating these conditions may share this increased level of beingness with others about them. In order to do so, there is the challenge of accepting the self as being other than most other entities about one. The peer pressure of the third density illusion is most great, and it is difficult for entities with differences such as these entities have and exhibit to move beyond this peer pressure. But once this is done, and once they can see that they shine like the sun in many ways more effectively, more poignantly, and more clearly than most third density entities, then these conditions can become means by which most other third density entities can expand their own awareness, not only of what is possible for others, but of what is possible for the self as it attempts to move further and further along or closer and closer in tune with the one infinite creator within, within the self, within all other selves, and within the creation as a whole. This type of movement is what each entity on planet Earth is here to share with others. There are no two entities that are the same. All entities have the one infinite creator inside of them, within their being. And this type of experience of the one infinite creator in whatever degree it is experienced and shared with others is that which is of the greatest value to all about one so able to share. We commend the efforts of this entity in its attempt to accept itself and would like to share our thoughts that we accept this entity totally as the one infinite creator. We see the one in this one and in all and we thank each for allowing us to speak this afternoon upon the topics that you have given us. At this time, we shall ask if there is a final query. I have a final query quote regarding people on the autism spectrum. Are they part of the discrete starseed soul group? I am quote, and I'm aware of your query, my brother, and you are most perceptive for indeed these entities who exhibit the qualities of autism, most especially, and that called Asperger's syndrome as well, have found the ability to move into the fourth density of love and understanding upon other planetary spheres, and have come here in order to aid the birthing of this planet's fourth density experience of love and understanding. They are from a distant planet which has already achieved its transition into the fourth density of love and understanding, and the population of this planet has provided a small group of those able to make this transition, and they are here now to aid the transition of this planet into the fourth density. We move to a channel on October 16th, 2010. Jim asks, The question this evening, Quo, is few systems of thought confer as much responsibility on the individual entity as the law of one does. In that philosophy, the individual is completely responsible for its own choices and its experience, no matter how uninformed these choices and its viewpoint may be. It is in that vein that we wish to examine the concept of responsibility through both the general and focused lens. In general, to what extent is the positively oriented entity responsible for indirectly participating in activities which result in pain and suffering for others? There are many specific ways to approach the basic underlying principle of responsibility, including purchasing gasoline, using products which harm the environment, supporting or not resisting the governments which funnel the energy of their people into nefarious ends. We would like to select one particular instance of this principle for our focus. It is understood among many spiritual seekers that except in cases of human slaughter, our second density friends are routinely mistreated and abused in the process of converting their physical bodies into our meat foodstuffs. Specifically then, to what extent is the positively oriented entity responsible for suffering of the second density creatures when purchasing and consuming the meat of these animals? We are those of the principle of quo, greetings in the love and light and the one 
infinite creator in whose service we come to you this evening it is a pleasure and privilege to be called to this group and to be a part of this circle of seeking we would agree with the questioner that the confederation philosophy of the law of one places more responsibility on the individual seeker than most of your world's religions most of your world religions posit a spiritual leader or guru whose likeness essence or energy you follow so that it is as though you are riding on the entity's coattails into your own open heart most world religions suggest that you follow or believe in that spiritual leader whether it be jesus or yahweh or allah indeed the spiritual leaders who are placed in the position of being that entity which opens the heart for you are many the law of one suggests not that you follow the creator or its prophet or representative but that you become aware that you are the creator therefore it suggests that you take the responsibility for your life your choices and the way you live day by day and hour by hour it is not a philosophy that places urgency upon this quest for the truth it is a philosophy that says that you have all the time that you need to make your choices and to follow your evolutionary path to complete the circle that you have begun from the creator moving through densities and densities of experience into the heart of the one creator once again so that your source and your ending are the same and so that you never end you are a citizen of eternity you are an infinite soul stream what you do not learn in this lifetime you shall once again take up and study that which you have not yet completed once again and if necessary once again until in the fullness of time you move through the densities of choice love light and unity and finally that density of foreverness that is a mystery even to us and in each density each experience each day and each hour you are responsible for yourself for your choices for your intentions for your desires it is expected of you and built into the nature that is called human nature that you shall desire things and you are given not simply permission but encouragement to experience those things which you desire as long as they do not infringe upon the free will of another for it is in experiencing those things which you desire that you become aware of what you truly desire what you desire at a level that is deeper than the level of impulse fad and fashion the great challenge in following your desires is to come to know yourself in such a way that you're able to open to yourself deeper levels of the self levels that are hidden from society from your culture from your training from all that you have learned about how the world wags gradually unfettering yourself from those chains of learned behavior in order that you may meet a deeper level of consciousness within yourself for you are not only that which is on the surface of your personality you are also that which is in common with the one infinite creator you are a part of the creator and as a creature of third density the density of choice you have within you that consciousness that is the consciousness of the creator the logos the one original thought of unconditional love you are love you are capable of offering love through yourself not your love but the love of the one creator that flows through you in an unending stream and since you are a creator although a very young and largely untrained one you have the power to create your own universe now you have been given a physical vehicle it is a physical vehicle with parameters of function for each body to function there are unique parameters to be met what the nutritionist would call food values to fulfill there are various chemicals that your body needs to function there are various enzymes proteins fats carbohydrates the stuff of your food 
You ask specifically about the responsibility that you have for what you eat. For those who have not yet conceived of the possibility of choices in this area, their responsibility is minimal. One cannot make choices if one is ignorant of the choices. Therefore, the question that you asked is on behalf of those who have awakened to the fact that all is one. You are one with the clouds and the rain, the fire that warms the hearth, the water within your body and in all of the bodies of water within this planet. You are one with the birds, the animals, flowers, plants, rocks, each other, and the Creator. There is only one thing in the universe, and that is love. Indeed, you are seeking at this time to reduce the level of distortion in your thinking so that you may become more and more aware of that consciousness that lies closer to you than breathing, nearer than your hands and feet, the consciousness of unconditional love that is your true nature. Now how shall an entity whose consciousness is that of pure love feed its body? We notice that you focus upon meat and the eating of it as the arena of choice. And before we address that question, we should note that not only the animals but the plants are also growing within the creation of the Father, blooming and dying at a rhythm of their own. In a very real way, it is as much of an offense one may say to pluck a bean or dig a potato from the ground as it is to slaughter an animal, for you have interrupted the cycle of its life and its dancing with the Creator as you do so. But to focus upon this is to digress from your query, and so we would focus upon the slaughter of animals and the responsibility that an entity has if he chooses to eat meat. One valid choice that many of those who have awakened have made is not to eat meat and to find ways to furnish the body with the protein that meat offers by eating other substances such as legumes which contain protein. Another choice that an awakened entity has, as the questioner said, is to move to the purchase of only meats that have been humanely slaughtered. There are two sources of such meats that are generally available to entities within a reasonable amount of distance from where they live. One is to seek out a kosher store which sells meat, knowing that the priests of that religion have treated animals well and have slaughtered them in a sacred ritual which is taken most seriously by those priests. The other is to find a biodynamic source where the same feeling of sacredness surrounds the appreciation of mammals while they live and the humane slaughter of them when it is time for them to feed their humans. And as the one known as Jay said, barring those choices, there is always the metaphysically correct choice of relating to the animal in that timeless condition which is called metaphysical time, wherein all things occur simultaneously, so that you're able to contact any animal before you eat it, no matter how abused or how slaughtered. And as you contact this animal, you express your love of this animal and your appreciation for all that the animal has gone through in order to give you its energy, its consciousness, such as it is, and its love, which is very real. So in praise, prayer, and thanksgiving, you heal the division between you and the meat and the animal from which that meat came. And as you do this to your meat, dancing with the meat, becoming one with the meat, you are in effect lifting that energy to the infinite creator, blessing it and healing all that has gone before for the animal and for you. Indeed, we would note that it is not only the eating of meat, but every single action undertaken by you, no matter how humble or small, that has the capability and potentiality of becoming sacred, so that you at all times are giving thanks, offering praise, and opening to the experiences that have been given to you to walk in. 
The one known as Elle stated during her portion of the talk around the circle before this meditation that there were times when she wondered if she were capable of sustaining the level of awareness that she has from time to time found very easy to sustain for short periods. We find this to be very appropriate thought, for each entity will find itself varying from day to day or from hour to hour or year to year. Entities do not stay the same. They cannot stay the same. Evolution is part of you. It is inevitable. There is that energy which must evolve within you. And this density that you call planet Earth, the third density, the third grade, shall we say, in this school of souls is one in which you can attempt to linger forever, but you shall not succeed. For you shall learn no matter how slowly, no matter against what resistance, your choices are involved in whether or not you wish to accelerate the pace of your evolution in mind, body, and spirit, and you are fully capable of this work. No matter how many times you disappoint yourself, you must remember that you are your own worst critic and that others around you may well find that attempt which you consider feeble to be heroic. It takes courage to be responsible for your thoughts, your words, and your actions. It takes real stamina to sustain this level of awareness of your environment as a spiritual environment far more than a physical or emotional or mental environment day after day after day. And we grasp the fact that the illusion of the valley of the shadow of death, as this instrument often calls physical life, uses every wile and every whim to distract you and challenge you. It is a kindly distraction and a kindly energy that operates in this way, for it is only within third density that you do not remember who you are, that you do not experience dancing with all of the universe, and that you do not know at first hand that all things are one. It is only within third density that you are seemingly locked within your status as a monad, a unit. When one considers oneself to be a unit moving alone in the crowd, but not of the crowd, bouncing off other entities, but not joining with them or even harmonizing with them, the world becomes meaningless, as the existentialists have so beautifully pointed out in so many works of art. And if you assume that the world has meaning and that you are worthy to be a part of the creation, to be part of love itself, then everything has meaning. Everything fills your heart and gives you food for thought, catalyst for growth. So the question becomes, my friends, how to sustain a consciousness that is capable of approaching every meal with the awareness that perhaps the asparagus screamed as it was broken off of its mother. Perhaps the green beans cried to be taken from the vine. Perhaps the steer did not wish to leave its pasture, no matter how pitiful. So you approach each meal thanking the substance that feeds you, that you need, that you must have to live this physical life in such a way that it and you become a part of a ritual that is sacred in nature and that blesses both you and the substance which you are eating. The answer, my friends, is simple yet very difficult for those who live in the density of choice. You must make friends with the silence. You have heard of the still small voice of the Creator. It is still. We cannot say it is small. There are many ways to be silent before the Creator. Some of the most common you immediately think of as being the whole of the way to be silent before the infinite one, to go to church or the synagogue or the ashram, to pray, to meditate silently. These are all powerful, effective ways to answer the silence and to tabernacle with the one infinite creator. But there are other ways to invoke the creator in silence. Certainly the one known as G could speak very highly of communing with nature in nature, for there are no traffic lights and horns to honk and people to brush across one without realizing that he or she has brushed against the Creator. You can find silence within yourself 
in the noisiest place when you know how to get there. It is a matter of practice, my friends. It is a matter of making new habits, as the one known as L noted. It is not always that easy to break the old habit or to create a new habit that is truly satisfying. But it is worth the effort that it takes to gain the habit of habitual inner silence. When you have silence within yourself, it does not matter how noisy the environment or how chaotic the minds of the people around you, no matter how sensitive you are to others. When you find yourself and are able to live in your open heart, you have the balm of Gilead waiting for you to close as your next thought. There are even ways to tabernacle with the infinite one that do not seem to be silent. This instrument, for instance, often sings hymns that place her in a certain frame of mind and move her into worship and devotion. These offer the same benefit as the silence. Again, it is a matter of the repetition of your practice. That which works for you, we encourage you to repeat. Repeat it again and again and continue through the chances and changes of everyday life. The good times and the difficult ones until the habit is so much a part of your experience that lacking it, you hunger and thirst for it and must seek it once again. Realize too that each of you has a different personality. Some of you are going to relate to the responsibilities that you have as a creature capable of making its own choices from the standpoint of beauty, others from the standpoint of truth, others from the standpoint of a life in faith. These are alternate but equally powerful and effective avenues through which to seek the truth. In whatever your personality, we encourage you to believe in yourself, to know that you are loved beyond all understanding by the infinite creator, and to know that you are capable of offering through yourself and out into the world with your blessing that same creative energy, not from your own self, never from that seemingly limited personality where you shall soon run out of love and simply be exhausted, but allow the energy of the one creator to flow through you and out your eyes, out your mouth, out your hands, so that you see with eyes of love, you speak with words of love, and your hands contain love as they move. What shall you choose? Service to self or service to others? What shall you desire? How shall you set your intention this day? For you have the ability to set your intention each and every day. These are questions you may ponder, and as you approach your next meal, allow yourself fully to imagine what you might actually do to square with yourself this increasing awareness that you have of the sacredness of all life. There are options. There are viable choices that you may make in response to your own feelings of responsibility insofar as it blesses you to follow through with these thoughts. By all means, do so, and they too shall become a vehicle to you for advancing your awareness of who you are, whose you are, and whom you serve. May we thank you for this query and ask if there is a follow-up to it at this time. Thank you, Quo, for offering your thoughts and thanks to this instrument for serving in her capacity to transmit your thoughts. I've listened as carefully and as closely as possible to what you had to say and I found little that responded to the question of responsibility. You suggested that as a possibility one could offer praise and thanksgiving for their food and you even encouraged that. And you also mentioned viable other alternatives for the entity with the growing awareness of the suffering of animals, but I didn't quite hear anything about whether we are actually responsible for the suffering of other entities by participating in a system which perpetuates their suffering. I would appreciate any insight you may offer on that question. We are those of Quo, and we thank you, my brother, for this query. We had inferred the answer to your question, but apparently it is far better for us to be more specific 
and we are able to do this without infringing upon your free will, so we shall proceed. Are you responsible for the fireworks that are going off outside this dwelling? Are you your brother's keeper? In truth, other entities and their actions are not within the purview of your choices. Your choices are those within your ability to make. You cannot be responsible for the folly of others except insofar as you are given the light to feel that you wish to take on a crusade to change others' opinions, to change policy, and so forth. Spiritually speaking, your choices are all within yourself, and within yourself you have the power to do that which you feel is right. We do not move into the question of responsibility for your brother's actions. And we would say, my friends, your brother's and your sister's actions, except for the most part, decisions such as war and slaughter made by those of the male biological principle upon your planet. Consequently, there is in common in both war and slaughter of animals the ability to block out that which is inconvenient in order to secure and use resources that are deemed necessary for the tribe. This is an entirely different question and would take us some time to respond to in the detail which we used in the working with the basic query, which was where you were responsible for the meat that you eat in that if you eat meat that has been slaughtered by another, you are buying into or inferring acceptance of that, which you in fact do not accept. We were attempting to explain that you have the capacity of various levels to erase and heal those perceived errors by the way you choose to treat that which is before you, whether it is meat or war or whatever you have come upon that is suddenly in your face. Food is a handy and excellent example of that which you are responsible, spiritually speaking, because you eat several times a day. It is far more easy to speak of how you choose to heal the imperfectly slaughtered or harvested animal or fruit of the vine or grain or earth than to speak of other things which you mentioned, such as war and the use of bounty of the earth, which it took your planet millions of years to collect and secrete away from its precious surface inhabitants, that being oil and coal and other things that are buried that your society has brought up out of the depths of the earth where it belongs, where it does no harm in the air, the water, and the earth, thus polluting and altering your planet. May we answer your question further, my brother? I sincerely appreciate the more focused response you've given me, food for thought, and in order to question further, I would definitely have to read over the excellent material you've offered, so that it is on my personal end thank you quote. May we thank you with all our hearts, my brother. It is our joy to work with your energy and with the refinement of your queries. May we ask at this time if there is another query in this group. Quo, as it seems that there are no queries in this circle, I have questions from readers abroad. The first is from A in Seattle who writes, Without infringing on anyone's free will, would you be able to give us information about the cause, purpose, and treatment of Alzheimer's disease, both for individuals who are diagnosed with it, as well as their caregivers? What is the best way to think about this affliction and to be best able to handle the knowledge that one has been diagnosed as well as ways to minister best to those who have it. What are the spiritual principles involved with this disease, and what are the best ways to prepare individuals to deal with it? We are those of Quo, and thank the one known as A for this query. My sister, the spiritual principle involved in thinking about this is that principle which states that which occurs is perfect and planned aforetimes. In times of the Alzheimer's disease, so-called, it occurs when an entity has learned all that it can learn, has endured all that it can endure, when it is at that level at which nothing more can be done in the incarnation and the healing will need to take place at the metaphysical level after the entity has healed into larger life. In that condition, that which has been lost is restored. The surface personality returns to the soul stream with its suffering and its pain, and there is ample energy available to heal the incarnation. 
It is a very helpful thing to heal the incarnation during the incarnation so that one approaches one's deathbed ready to sing hallelujah, 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 as did the one known as Yates. But it is not necessary, for that which is not healed in the lifetime shall be healed after the lifetime and before the next experience is chosen. So when an entity is exhausted and has not been able to heal its own incarnation, there is the blessedness of the forgetting. Now sometimes it is unfortunately so that this fog that descends does not remove all that is unhappy. But the basic reason for the gradual release of memory is that the entity involved can no longer process catalyst effectively. The use of this for the caretaker can be thought of under the basic spiritual principle of being of service to others rather than the self. Many are the entity who choose to put parents or relatives, those for whom they have become responsible, in a care facility and allow someone else to change the diapers and tend the wandering mind and so forth. But for those who choose to stay present and attentive to a need within their family, it is a great blessing to be able to share love for that entity which has shared so much love with you, however imperfectly that love has shared. The intent is almost always there within the parents to love and care for the young one, and in the fullness of time that pattern is repeated and balanced as the young one cares for the failing parent. Families are a wonderful source of service to others' opportunities. Certainly there are times when caring for one whose mind is failing seems too much to bear, and we encourage the one known as A and all of those that are in this position to honor the self at those times and release responsibility so that the self may be healed in order to heal, restored in order to restore, consoled in order to console. And if the one who restores and heals and loves the self is the self, then so be it, for you are capable of healing, loving, and restoring yourself. You are the creator, and you may choose the manner of your creation. We encourage the energy of forgiveness in this situation for the other and for the self, and we thank the one known as A once again for this query. May we ask if there is a final query at this time? Quo, I will submit a final query from S, the Bring Forth Web guy in Virginia, who writes, Quo, our online community has been discussing various ways in which our human vehicles are becoming more sensitive to vibrations. Many of us are experiencing a constant ringing in the ears, multiple tones in different spatial locations around or inside the head, and other unusual effects on the body. Can you please share with us the spiritual principles behind these occurrences without infringing upon our free will? What seeds can you cast to help us best contemplate, understand, and respond to these unique bodily experiences? We are those of Quo, and we are aware of your query, my brother. We greet the one known as S and will attempt to respond to his query. There have always, from the beginning of third density, been those characteristic tensions that may occur that create inner sound, whether in the ears, in the face, in the head, or immediately surrounding the physical vehicle. Some characteristic kinds of tension may be seen to be excellent and positive, such as visions, dreams, insights, and epiphanies. Other sources of characteristic tension may be seen to be negative or difficult or challenging, such as nervousness, dread, and fear, anger, and frustration. What all of these have in common is a characteristic resistance. To that which is occurring. Now in the last century or so, shall we say of your years, there has been an increasing lack of third density light as this third density draws to a close and an increasing interpenetration by fourth density light which has a great deal more capacity to carry information and inspiration. Now the problem with the waning of third density light and the rising and dawning of fourth density light is that the resulting light that is experienced carries more truth and that which a century ago could perhaps be ignored within the self can no longer be ignored for you are just that much closer to seeing things as they really are 
as a part of the experience of being conscious. Other people's actions affect you more because the mirroring effect is more pronounced as time goes on and the light of third density wanes. All of those things which you have not integrated into your daylight personality and have left in the shadows unseen, unacknowledged, and unredeemed show themselves to you in the action and words of other people, and they hurt you because you have not worked with yourself to bring that shadow self into your heart and to redeem it with your love, respect, and understanding. What we generally recommend to entities is that when something within their environment disturbs them, they take that within their heart and find that energy within themselves. And when they heal it within themselves, they come to understand it, to experience it without judging it, and to ask it to work for the light within them. In this way, anger becomes stubbornness, the ability to stick to a plan, the ability to continue to love, and so forth. It is the work of a lifetime to interiorize, bless, and redeem the shadow side of the self which is outpictured in the shadows of your planet, its people and its behavior at the personal level and at the level of nation-states and all levels in between. But it is work which you will find to be very rewarding because as you reduce the distortions within yourself, as you become more balanced and able to see love, hope, faith, and consolation, so you are more able to offer to those whose eyes you meet an awareness of them as loved, consoled, and forgiven. We find that this instrument's energy begins to wane and this group is becoming wary of sitting and so we would at this time with some reluctance we will admit take our leave of this group whose company we have so enjoyed and whose beauty we have so beheld. Truly the energy that you have built together creates a dome of light far above this dwelling. We thank you for the, taking the time out of your busy lives to seek the truth together this evening. We thank you again for calling us to your group and we leave you as we found you in all that there is the love and the light of the one infinite creator. We are known to you as the principle of Quo, Adonai, my friends, Adonai. And this concludes these channelings. There's some interesting points that are made here. Very, very powerful. You may have started to experience some telepathy. I've discussed telepathy on several episodes. And every single day, it seems as if I am more telepathic. I can hear the thoughts of others. I can send thoughts to others. For many, they're not aware of this. Or, in many cases, they are hearing thoughts and they are not aware that those thoughts are simply a telepathic message from someone else. What is happening on this planet, what I want to scream from the rooftops to everyone, is that we are entering into fourth density light. And what that means is that the veil, the veil of forgetting, is thinner and thinner every single day. That means a deeper knowing from your subconscious and the world around you and a greater awareness of precognition and telepathy, meaning that you can hear people's thoughts and you can project thoughts outward and you become sensitized to this as the veil thins. In pure fourth density, when the veil is gone, we are aware of everyone's thoughts all the time and we're preparing ourselves for this. There's an interesting point that's made at the beginning of this that by having the veil and by speaking with words as we do, it creates this environment that we're in where we have to make a choice and where we have these catalysts. And we're not aware that there is this creator, that we're not aware of the unity and oneness of all. That's what is so amazing is this incredibly unique time that we're going through is that we're experiencing that third density veil but we're also starting to taste this fourth density light. And it's amazing. 
Imagine for a second the world in which we would live where words are not required. Pure fourth density, there is no words being spoken with mouths. If I was to tell you about a movie, for instance, if somebody said, hey, Brian, explain the Star Wars trilogy, the first Star Wars trilogy, I would show you in my mind. I'd explain it in my mind. Boom. It would be so much more effective to, to understand it. Anything that you could explain is always going to be a little bit more muddled than if you could send it telepathically. If you were talking to a friend and you wanted to talk about your experience, maybe you got pulled over by the police and you got a speeding ticket. The ability to actually share that experience telepathically would be way more interesting than if somebody said words. Words will always fail. They have all kinds of connections and there's never true communication between any two people. So I'm excited for that time when we can start to truly communicate because we walk amongst confusion all the time with our words being misinterpreted all the time. These two channelings carry some fascinating conversations philosophically about the ethics of eating meat and it's very interesting. All is the creator, so that means everything's the creator. When you smush a fly, you're smushing the creator. And as they said, the bean could be screaming when you pull it off the stalk. The strawberry that you pull from the bush could be screaming. All is the creator. Life feeds on life. So there's an interesting technique that's given here. If you struggle with the morality of eating meat, then don't eat meat. That's certainly your choice. But if you are still a meat eater, you can, in space-time, go back and bless that animal, which is simultaneously alive in all times, and thank it for the energy that it is giving. It's already been killed. By the time you're getting that meat, someone else has killed it and gone through that process. You can eat kosher meats knowing that the animal is killed in a more humane way. But if not, you can reach back through time and space and thank the animal, ask for its blessing. I'm going to try to do this. If I eat meat in the future, I'm going to treat it like it's blessed. We are walking amongst the creator and all things are the creator. And that includes the things we eat. And it's a bizarre thing about this creation that we eat ourselves essentially because we are all the creators. So for us to survive, we end up eating portions of ourselves. Fascinating topic, and I could certainly talk about it more. And I know that it's very sensitive, and I honor your sensitivity about this. And I say, if what they said to you didn't resonate, just forget about it. That's all I would say about this. Two other things that are super fascinating in these channelings that are huge new information that we haven't discussed. First of all, Asperger's and autism is a sign of star seeds and they even indicate they get, those people are coming from a specific planet and they have a greater access to fourth density energy and consciousness wow 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 that is huge and it has huge implications if you had know someone in your life that has asperger's or autism honor them because they are in a different level of consciousness which may be uncomfortable in this third density but they have something to share and that's super fascinating the other thing is the discussion of alzheimer's they're saying here that 
it is a part of the healing process. It's a, it's a point that you reach where you're not able to process catalyst anymore. And the forgetting is sort of a healing, a blessing before you go into death. Wow, just wow. As someone that watched my father go through dementia, it did feel like it was a spiritual sort of disease. For some, I think it's blessing. They hold on to their past and it bothers them by forgetting they're allowed to let that go. And sometimes forgetting is a wonderful thing. It allows them to be in that present moment. I know that it's a struggle. If you have a family member with Alzheimer's, my heart goes out to you. It's a struggle, but there is a spiritual aspect to this disease that we should consider. In any case, you can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. Check out my playlist on Quo and the playlist on the Law of One for further information from Quo. Make sure to check out llresearch.org. They have some amazing information and many, many other channelings. I'm sending my light and love that flows through me to you, hoping that you have a fantastic day and welcome to the Reality Revolution.